0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode here on the 5571 podcast. My name is Danny, and if you're new here, welcome, and if you're returning, welcome back. This is a podcast all about Disney parks, specifically Disneyland, and also other theme parks as well, too. We talk about the news and also focus on a topic for the week, Uh, so let's go ahead and get this episode started. Let's get started with Disneyland Resort news For the 5571 News segment, of course, we've been covering Fantasmic a lot lately after the incident that happened um, with the Maleficent Dragon. And of course, lots of topics of conversation on here and news updates as far as when the show is going to return. Well, we just got another brand new update from Disneyland on May 19th that Fantasmic was going to remain on hiatus through the rest of the summer season, and at least Labor Day. So they put out that at least again. We've seen that now two different times, with the at least, and each different time, it was pushed back to a different day. So this is the third time that Fantasmic's return after the incident has been pushed back. And again, the Labor Day holiday would be in September. So this would be all the way through the summer season without additional nighttime entertainment for Disneyland, which is going to be a pretty big struggle. It looks like they're going to try to add some additional alternate experiences for guests this summer to kind of make up for that. They issued a few statements about it. So Disneyland said, we are taking this time to evaluate the show and explore opportunities to add new magic and touches for guests to enjoy. So it sounds like maybe um, they they took some time away and, you know, we're evaluating the situation, what was going on, what's actually the reality of what they could do or not do as far as maybe what was damaged and what wasn't damaged. We've talked about it before on this episode or this podcast that that pit where the dragon sits was also home to a lot of other things on that stage there's the flying carpet that they use in the aladdin and jasmine segment there's um you know the cauldron for the evil witch um there's like the big pedestal that comes out of the ground for maleficent when she's transforming into the dragon so there's a lot of different hydraulic and moving parts down there and we're not exactly sure right what was damaged down in there when they had to not only put the fire out but also as the fire and fluids and stuff like that were leaking into the pit below, um, it could have caused a lot more damage than we than we know of. So, um, you know, Disney probably took a look at what was actually left, what could be salvaged, what couldn't be salvaged and determined, you know what, even though this is Fantasmic 2.0, we made some really well received changes over at Walt Disney World where we added a new Moana segment, a new Frozen segment. Maybe we should take time to reevaluate that and do something different with Disneyland's Phantasmic. Um, and it's a little weird because we have only had Phantasmic 2.0 not very long, right? Um, I think, I, I can't remember, I was talking about the dragon, like it was just over 10 years old or something like that. Not a long time. Um, and that was, that dragon debuted with Phantasmic 2.0 over at Disneyland Um, So are we going to be getting a Fantasmic 3.0 or a Fantasmic 2.5 with, you know, some additions and maybe a different dragon experience? We'll have to wait and see. But they use that specific verbiage. Uh, They said we're taking this time to evaluate the show and explore opportunities to add new magic and touches for guests to enjoy. So what do you think? Let me know um, on any of the social medias. Do you think uh, you'd be down for Moana being added to Fantasmic, Frozen or other newer movies? Uh, that might resonate with newer guests nowadays um, than what we already have. Um, it's interesting, you know, I'm I'm down for some changes. I thought the f- Fantasmic at Walt Disney World, um, the changes that they made were awesome, especially the Moana segment was very well received. But as far as a statement as to why um, they continued to, you know, push the show further out, Uh, through september beyond additionally just adding magic touches uh, disney also provided a further statement saying our goal is to always deliver the best possible show for our guests with that in mind we've made the difficult decision to put phantasmic on hiatus through at least labor day teams are actively exploring alternate entertainment offerings for guests this summer and we look forward to sharing more soon so they're definitely working on some sort of something, right? To take the place of Phantasmic um, to help with that nighttime entertainment, right? They have the Wondrous Journeys fireworks Show. They also have the Magic Happens Parade but they don't have another large show on the other side of Disneyland like Fantasmic to kind of take away from that. So what can they bring back? Can they use just like the Mark Twain and maybe do like a fun little moment with that, some sort of alternate thing that they offer this summer, because there's definitely a need for it, right? That's why they have Fantasmic through the summer season. They're going to have the larger crowds. They need something to pull guests to that side. So I can imagine seeing them do something with the Fantasmic um, portion of maybe the Mark Twain and, um, you know, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Um, or maybe we see something totally different. We'll have to wait and see. Now, it's not realistic to think that Disney's gonna just pull the plug, flip the switch, and bring over Magic or the Paint the Night Parade or the Electrical Parade, right? These are big productions that require a lot of new additional cast members and hiring. Um it would require months of casting and rehearsals and choreography learning. And none of that can happen before summer, right? We're already just weeks away from or one week away from June. Um, uh, you know, all these people saying, Oh, we'll just get Paint the Night Parade. No, no. They haven't posted any casting calls for Paint the Night Parade. In addition to that, they have to teach all those people that get hired all the choreography, have some time to rehearse, and then put out the parade. So if we see Paint the Night Parade come back, not saying it's totally off the page, right? Like they'll never do it. Um, but this summer, definitely not going to happen. There's just no timelines for it. Typically when Disney posts casting calls, we always see that too, right? We saw it right before the announcement of Rogers the Musical. We saw it just before Magic Happens Parade. So we kind of always knew kind of when things were coming. Um, so I doubt that they're going to be doing that. Um, especially too, we have to remember as well, um, the final segment of the Paint the Night Parade, the big giant Mickey Grand Finale float, well, the entire segment song for that whole part of the parade is zippity Doodah, right? And what is Disney doing right now? They're getting rid of Splash Mountain and the music that's involved with that movie um, to make way for Tiana's Bayou Adventure. It wouldn't make sense to, you know, carry that song on in a parade, uh, in perpetuity for however long they want to do it. Um, so I feel like before Paint the Night comes back, it really does have to have a change in its soundtrack. And does Disney want to really invest in that right now? I don't think so. And then, of course, casting all those people for the parade, additionally, that's hiring, right? And what, what do we know right now? Disney's doing layoffs. So they're going to try to find some alternate experience that they could do already. And what they could do already is with the cast that's already there, already trained and already available to do Fantasmic, right? There's a bunch of cast members now that won't have a job through the summer that work in Fantasmic, that rely on Fantasmic. And I'm sure Disney will find alternate experiences for them to do um, in different parts of the park and something that they're trained to do would be like portions of Fantasmic. so that's how i feel like it's going to be like maybe just the mark twain segment like a little fun character thing um who knows we'll have to wait and see but i feel like that'd be the best use of those cast members it would save disney money from having to hire additional people for some sort of new entertainment thing or it could they could just train those same cast members on something small and quick that could get through through the summer season with some additional entertainment offering some other major news happened recently too of course we also have been covering a lot the construction over at the disneyland hotel of the brand new villas at the disneyland hotel um, that fourth tower that was added there finally received a name uh, and actually was there on the day that they kind of opened it up and revealed the name And that name is the Discovery Tower. So now we have the Fantasy Tower, Adventure Tower, Frontier Tower, and Discovery Tower. Uh, A lot of people were kind of up in arms on this in Twitter, saying that it was like a reference to Disneyland Paris, or that it was a hint that our Tomorrowland's changing to, um, you know, to Discovery Land or Discovery World, whatever it's called at uh, Disneyland Paris, because they don't have Tomorrowland. Um, But I don't think it's that deep. I just, you know, overall, the... The overarching theme at that tower did not scream Tomorrowland in any way, shape, or form. Of course, it's a little bit retro, right? A little bit retro, throwback to old Disneyland Hotel, but it seemed very animation, very fantasy-like more than anything. Um, so, it, it wouldn't have made sense to call it the Tomorrowland or Tomorrow Tower, right? All the other towers that are, um, you know, have their namesake based off of a land of Disneyland have themes that match that land, right? The the carpet and all the theming in the fantasy tower match would match. Uh, it's a small world. There's even a small world gift shop in the lobby, right? That's for the fantasy tower over in the adventure tower. You have jungle themed carpet. You have the soundtrack loop playing in a lobby of that tower and through all the, you know, main guest areas of those towers, um, in the, in the adventure tower, all themed to like the adventure land suite that's playing in Disneyland or maybe at Disney world also playing in that tower. And then, of course, the Frontier Tower being themed to Frontierland. It has the model of Big Thunder Mountain in the lobby. All the couches in there are like leather, western-themed, and they're also playing a music loop that would be found in Disneyland's Frontierland. So um, when I was working at the Disneyland Hotel a long time ago, and we've talked about that before as well, um, they always akin the pool area as Tomorrowland. Now, I know the pool area does share a space with... Trader Sam's and Tangaroo Terrace, which scream more Adventureland than they do Tomorrowland. Uh, The slide complex, you know, has the classic monorails on it. It has the marquee of Disneyland. So they always sought, you know, they always kind of akin the pool area to Tomorrowland. So that was kind of their idea of, of making up the four original lands of Disneyland, Fantasy Tower, Adventure Tower, Frontier Tower, and then Tomorrowland for the pool. So it had that retro future vibe that the original Tomorrowland did, with the exception of the two restaurants, right? Um, But that was kind of how they did it before. So I don't know if a lot of people kind of knew that that was the case. Um, And I don't know if that's necessarily official, but that's kind of how it was always explained to me, you know, having worked at the Disneyland Hotel. Um, But it, you know, it, it wouldn't have made sense to call this the Tomorrow Tower since nothing about it screams Tomorrowland, um as far as theming was concerned so discovery tower um is a cool name i felt you know of all the names they could have used for it um it made sense to me (laughs) um i didn't even know they were going to name the tower um when they unveiled the name of the villas at the disneyland hotel i just assumed that's where the name would stop so um adding the name discovery tower is really cool it just adds to the additional you know overall continuing the theme of disneyland hotel right And there's some things too that Um, have been changing and continue to change at the Disneyland Hotel when I was there and saw the unveiling of that uh, space that was, you know, kind of showcasing the rooms for the time being. Now there is model rooms for the new tower um, to show guests that are interested in buying into Disney Vacation Club. Now they've been staging this for a really long time, right? Even when the parks were closed and we were walking around the outside of Disneyland, they started staging this in like that Lilo parking lots, that last parking lot of downtown Disney all the way up against Magic Way. Um, you know, Mondo and I've been covering this. I've seen Fresh Baked cover this as well, too. Um, it's just been sitting there. It's fully built, fully flushed out. Um, it's decorated to look exactly like the tower. Um, I'm not sure if that's its permanent home. That's also the home for like a lot of the construction housing and equipment that's kind of waiting to be put into the towers. Um, so not sure if they're going to move that model showroom to A different part of the resort. I know the Disney Vacation Club sales areas behind the Frontier Tower, and that's where they showcase model rooms for Disney's Aulani Resort, which is the Hawaiian Resort, uh, which they've had there for many, many, many years um, since before the Aulani Resort opened. So um, we don't know. It could just stay in the the Lilo parking lot, and then you kind of just get bussed over there in a little van or in a golf cart, potentially, if you are on that tour interested in buying any of the Disney Vacation Club units. But For the time being, they actually converted a small little office space just off the lobby of the Disneyland Hotel in the Fantasy Tower, um, which used to be like their business office slash like multi-use space just off of the Fantasy or Fantasia gift shop. Um, They've used it as like a small sort of model room. They have furniture in there that you would find in the hotel rooms. And then, of course, they have sales desks in there for the Disney Vacation Club sales representatives that can give you information and talk about different things as well. And there's lots of photos and booklets that they can hand out and show you um, of the different rooms and available types of rooms, etc. cetera. So, um, but other changes that are happening, I noticed they added a ton of outdoor dining space, including some fire pits over by the coffee house uh, location, which is just off the convention space. Um, as more and more groups continue to come to the Disneyland hotel, We find that there's a big need for those guests to have, you know, their coffee, um, a space in the morning to get a quick breakfast. Uh, You know, those guests typically aren't visiting the hotel or the theme parks. They're there for a group. Their group just happened to have chose um, the Disneyland Resort uh, for, you know, nearby amenities and potentially if those guests wanted to go to the theme parks, but some of them don't. So having some really nice places to kind of sit out in the morning, maybe sit by a fireplace at night. There is a big fireplace over by, you know, Trader Sam's. We all know that and have seen that, but adding some more additional space, you can tell they're getting ready for a larger number of guests at this hotel. Um in addition to that, we're seeing some additional, you know, land space being put around common areas in the grounds. A lot of things are slowly changing at the Disneyland Hotel and rumor has it that uh, Steakhouse 55 is really close to reopening. Now whether it reopens as Steakhouse 55 or something totally different, We've heard a lot of reports that the area is being cleaned out, cleaned up, getting ready for guests once again. Not that long ago, they cleaned up and kind of opened up the space, which is for the lounge of Steakhouse 55. A lot of times guests are just using this space to kind of sit and wait for their reservations over at Goofy's Kitchen, which is right next door to it. And then also during some of the busier times that they have larger groups at the hotel, we are seeing the lounge being used as an actual lounge as well, too, with offering drinks and some kind of other things like that. But that's only been few cases uh, here and there. Nothing officially open just yet, but things are starting to move over there. So that's something to look at, too. And it would make sense for them to reopen this somewhat close to or near the reopening of this new new tower that's being added and as we all know if you listened to the podcast before this brand new villas vacation club tower is going to be opening at the design hotel on september 28th now that day also plays another significance with another hotel we'll talk about in just a little bit but something we learned also in addition to the discovery tower being its name uh, we learned how many rooms this hotel tower would bring with it Um, So it's going to bring 344 total additional rooms to the Disneyland hotel of those 344 total rooms, 326 would be exclusively held for Disney vacation club, um, villas, you know, using for their points and things like that. So not fully committed. I'm not sure the reasoning for that. There's probably some sort of, um, tax purpose or some sort of maybe zoning thing that, Required them to provide some of it for regular hotels, some of it for Disney Vacation Club. I'm sure there's some sort of loophole there. That's the reason for that. But the good news is um, there is always going to be rooms available for guests to book uh, if they want to pay to just stay in those rooms. They are bigger rooms than the regular hotel rooms for the most part. They all do come with kitchens or kitchenettes, uh, which means you'll have things like a microwave, a large refrigerator, full kitchen area with like, you know, dishware and things like that. And in some cases, the rooms have washers and dryers. So um, it's definitely a, a, a step up, right? From a regular hotel room. And some people like those additional amenities. Um, of course, there's a lot of Disney, ho- there's a lot of hotels around Disneyland that offer similar amenities like that. Something like your, um your, you know, Hyatt House or your Marriott Residence Inn, things like that. Um, But this is going to be on property. So it's nice to know that even though it's a very small number, um, there'll be a small number that you can always book as a paying guest because I would imagine as a Disney Vacation Club guest, these villas are going to be booked pretty heavily right away when they first open up for booking with points. Um, Of course, we know bookings already opened for all of the villas um, right now, kind of up until the end of the year for just paying guests, right? They hadn't figured out the points value just yet, but they have put that out now, and it'll be soon available to guests that have Disney Vacation Club to start booking it. So, just, you know, as as history would tell us, right, Disney's Grand Californian Hotel only has a very limited number of Disney Vacation Club villas, and they spend probably ninety-nine point nine percent of the time fully booked all the time by Disney Vacation Club guests, rarely being open for regular guests to book because they're such a limited number. Um and even the thought of adding 326 just specifically for Disney Vacation Club members. It's not really a lot in the grand scheme of things. You have to think there are thousands of rooms available at Walt Disney World Resort, and all of those Disney Vacation Club resorts have ownerships of different guests um, into all those resorts, including people that own in Hawaii. So all those guests that have ownership in these resorts all have vacation points that they could choose to use in California, which before this tower opens is really difficult to do. Like I mentioned, it's almost impossible sometimes to get a villa at Disney's Grand Californian Hotel and Spa, unless you are um, someone that has priority booking there if if that's your home resort. So the Disneyland Hotel adding all these villas is really going to give more opportunity for guests to book there with vacation club points, but it's probably going to mean that for the most part, all of the Disney Vacation Club held rooms are going to be fully committed. So there's going to be probably a very limited number of villas to book for money. And so uh, those will be, um, so it's always worth at least checking. And there's no difference that you have to do. You'll just be searching for rooms as you would normally um on the design website at the design hotel and it will show you all the available rooms and the villas will be indicated as like a villa right so you'll know it's different from the actual hotel rooms like standard view preferred view pool view all that kind of stuff um so it, that's something to keep in mind if you are planning to stay at the design hotel and of course this intro period right after it opens anyone can book it for cash so it'll be kind of like an opportunity for all the guests to um, be able to experience those villas before they become probably impossible to book. But in addition to finding out the number of villas and the tower name, we also found out something else as well too while visiting, is that that awesome new pool space that they're adding, which is really big, and it's going to be adding a new splash area that's themed to Steamboat Willie. You might have seen a video on that as well. A new bar area that's like a quick little bar area on the under part of the tower. And it's going to be connected to the main pool area. And the nice part is it's not going to be separated. So you don't have to be staying in the Discovery Tower in order to use that part of the pool, even though it's in and around that tower. Um, it's going to be fully connected to the main pool complex at the Design Hotel, which is already the one of the biggest ones on property, of course, um, it'll be shared. So if you're staying in the regular Disneyland hotel, you're going to have full access to that new pool area. That's part of the discovery tower. Um, so if you, you're like, Oh man, we didn't get a villa. We're only staying in the regular hotel. We're not be able to experience it. You don't have to be staying in a villa. So that's a really nice thing to find out. Sometimes they are separate kind of resorts over like at Disney's animal kingdom lodge. For example, they have John house and Kadani Village. Now, there's two separate areas for Disney Vacation Club guests. Jumbo House is attached to the main hotel, right? So it's mixed in with the regular hotel guests. They use the big, massive pool that's there for just Disney's Animal Kingdom Lodge. But a little bit down the road is Disney's Animal Kingdom Lodge Kadani Village, which is a separate resort just for Disney Vacation Club and they have their own really large pool and you can't go in there if you are a guest at Disney's Animal Kingdom Lodge. At least that's what they told us when we were checking in and have checked in before. So, it's going to be only for guests staying at Disney's, you know, Animal Kingdom Lodge in the Kadani's Village section. So, um it's it's nice to know, you know, that this is fully open to all guests and there's not that separation like that. So, um that's another perk that we found out so a lot of news coming out for the disneyland hotel as we get ever closer to that opening date of september 28th now earlier i did mention that september 28th would mark another significant day for another disney resort hotel um this one's coming to us over in orlando at the walt disney world resort but unfortunately this one's a little bit more sad a little bit more somber september 28th marks the final Voyage for the Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser, aka as some people knew it, the Star Wars Hotel. Now, um, it's sad that this hotel really hasn't had a long, you know, long run. Right? It was a, still a very new and very ambitious project. Um, the people that experienced it really, really enjoyed it. Again, you know, it's it's not um, it's not new news, right? That uh, the the project or the voyage was an expensive one. Um but those that did experience it said it was like life-changing, really fun, probably the best Disney experience they ever had. Um I know my friends Peter and Kitra, they've done it multiple times, I think three times totally so far, and uh are hoping to do a final voyage before it does shut down. Um, they've got extensive videos covering it. So if you want to watch any of theirs, definitely go check it out at Ordinary Adventures. Uh, there's so many different videos they have covering the Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser when it first opened, and then more recently they were just actually there um, right after the right before the news was announced on it. So, um, for those that didn't know, of course the Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser um, was an immersive live your story experience. Right, it was a essentially treated like a cruise. If you've ever been on a cruise, um, but it's a cruise in space. Right, it's a cruise happening um, where you get to live your Star Wars story. And the entire crew made up. Um, mostly of, you know, entertainers and people that keep the story and the show alive as you live out this experience. Um, the sad and unfortunate part is those people will all be, you know, losing either losing their jobs or being asked to move somewhere else um, within the resort, maybe in some other entertainment role, maybe not in some other entertainment role, which might push them or move them to some other place. Um, so that's the sad part, I feel, because these people... Dedicated a lot of time, a lot of effort into you know learning these roles, rehearsing the things that they have to do. They were probably passionate about this project, and now it's gonna be gone. In addition to that, the cast members that are working, you know, front desk, the food areas, the bars, all that kind of stuff, they also came from other areas of the resort. A lot of times giving up their seniority and their time worked at other locations to work on this project, now for it only to be shut down. So It is unfortunate. Some people were just saying, oh, it's too expensive. It was doomed from the start. But I really feel like, um, you know, they were there. This is a very, you know, with only about 100 guest rooms and the price that they were charging, they have to, you know, it's an expensive thing to run. They have actors, you know, that are living and breathing on this ship (laughs) that have to pay. So it's an expensive thing to run. I'm not sure what the margins actually were. Uh, for each of the guests staying uh but I would imagine it's not too much um but not you know giving an excuse saying that it wasn't you know out of reach for most people uh you know with around six thousand dollars for two nights you know for a family of four it's a lot more than most people could afford um but i'm sure there were a ton of people that wanted to do it that couldn't do it, and now unfortunately they just won't have the opportunity to do so. Uh, Now, they've paused all bookings up until May 26th, which I don't know if you're listening to this episode. You might be listening to it after that time. Um, But there were a lot of people already booked, right, in the Star Wars um, Galactic Star Cruiser that were booked beyond September 28th. So they're taking a pause to prioritize asking all those guests if they want, A, all their money back, or B, if they want to move to a different date. And And it was confirmed that they were giving those guests um, that had to move to a different date uh a bit of a discount. Now, some people were I think we're saying 50% discount, but I'm not sure if that was like fully finalized or not. Um so they are giving those guests priority um to book first and then once all those guests have chosen their respective days that they would like to go, um they will then um allow other guests after May 26th to book the remaining cruises for the rest of the year. Now, At the time of recording this podcast, um, the final cruise voyage of the 28th to the 30th is already fully committed. So the final voyage is fully sold out with just the guests that either A, already had that date coincidentally, and B, the guests that moved their dates from sometime in the September to December range uh, that were you know being asked to move to a different date. So a lot of people wanted that final voyage. So as close as they can get to The next, like second to the last, I mean third to the last, I'm sure those are all going to book up really fast. So I know if you are interested, um, booking the Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser, uh, there's a lot of different options. Uh, I'm not sure if Mystery Bay is, um, I know she's a travel agent, but I don't know if she does the Star Cruiser because I know there's a little bit of difference there. Uh, you can maybe start reaching out with her and she can connect you with someone that can do it, but there's also, um princess and the scoundrel youtube channel uh friends of ordinary adventures they are doing um star wars galactic star cruiser interest forms um and you can submit to them they help book guests on that as well um, as a travel agent so if you're interested in doing that with someone that's very experienced in doing it because they've done it multiple times as well um you can go that route if you'd like but uh wanted to share that with you as well too because it is a pretty big deal right and um, we'll have to wait and see what ends up happening with the hotel's, you know, facilities and building. Um, Josh DeMauro was on a sort of interview or talk later, like a few days after that announcement, um, and he was asked about the the location and did reveal that it was being utilized as a write-off for, you know, tax purposes. So, Not sure if that seals the fate of the facilities in the building, whether it has to be demolished or um, whether it can be repurposed in some way. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, It would be a shame if it was. um, But we all know that that's already happened to Harmonious right at Epcot. So um, fingers crossed that they can still reuse the space for something else Star Wars themed. Maybe, uh, you know, a deluxe boutique hotel. We'll have to wait and see. And lastly, for our new segment, I wanted to talk about this. We've already discussed it, too. But for those listening that are trying to plan visits and trying to remember dates and things like that, I felt like it's worth repeating again since we got finally a third different date um, to kind of finalize everything. So, right, maybe the time you're listening to this podcast, um, it's already happened, but the Matterhorn is set to reopen um, after the first. So Matterhorn bobsleds after it's been closed since April will reopen after the first of June. And then, of course, um, we talked about earlier on previous episodes that Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, Alice in Wonderland, and Peter Pan's Flight – would be closed for a brief period in June as they refurbish that shared building that they all use. Um, We had a reopening date the last time we talked about um, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride and Alice in Wonderland, but we hadn't had one for Peter Pan just yet. Well, now we do. So Mr. Toad's Wild Ride and Alice in Wonderland will close on June 5th, and they'll reopen to guests on June 16th. And Peter Pan's flight will also close to guests on June 5th, but will reopen later on June 30th. So still um, in the month of June, not a super, super long refurbishment, still a little awkward to have during the peak of summer season, but if they're making the choice to do it, there's probably obviously a need for it. Um, And they are all, and of course, a shared space um, in that building there in Fantasyland. So whatever they're doing was probably necessary and, um, the reason why they chose to do it in the summer. But keep in mind, other things closing, right? We have Splash Mountain closing on May 30th. We have um, Fantasmic being on hiatus. So there's a lot of things happening at Disneyland that may affect your trip. So just make sure you're taking the time to look at the you know hours of operation, which has the refurbishment schedule as part of it on each of the days of your trip um, to see what rides might be impacted during your stay, what shows, etc. cetera. And a little bit of a plug if you haven't already seen it. Um, I have the first two videos from my Walt Disney World trip recently that we talked about on this podcast now live on my YouTube channel, so my travel day, which included my review of Breeze Airways, um, and a tour of my resort that I was staying at, Disney's Port Orleans Resort, Um, and then I have my second video up, which was my first full day at a Disney park there, um, which was Disney's Animal Kingdom Park, so I did a vlog on that, showing you everything I did that day, uh, which was a lot of fun, Uh, and I always try to do Animal Kingdom first if I can whenever I go to Disney World, um, because it is my favorite park, so best first for me. So check that out if you haven't already. Like I said, my YouTube channel is Just Ask Danny. Make sure you're subscribed because I'm going to have at least one more Walt Disney World video. I'm going to try to see if I maybe should split it up or put it into two. And then, of course, I have a Disneyland update video coming soon after that. So there's a lot more things. Make sure you're subscribed and have that notification bell on uh, so you're notified when a new video drops. Now, onto our Main Street topic for the episode, I wanted to discuss... Downtown Disney and the changes that are happening there, what we know, um, and what's sort of still unknown at this point. Now, we had um, a more recent luncheon that had some invited media guests, some invited guests, and of course, the members of the community being um, held at Disney's Grand Californian Hotel and Spa with Disneyland president Ken Potrock. And he mentioned, um, you know, some of the things they were planning or potentially planning for Use in Disneyland Forward um, areas. And we're going to be hearing Disneyland Forward ramping up a lot, right? We're getting close to. Um, those important dates we talked about before that Disney needs to submit um, to the public first for review for a certain period. And then of course submit to members of the city council and stuff like that to hopefully get approval uh, to rezone all this land to use for space um, of theme park use in the future. So all, all of this, what all of it's all about, right? So, but what we know right now is everything in downtown Disney that's been uh, announced or yet to be announced That's already good to go. They can already use that space for whatever they want in regards to shopping and dining. So things have been earmarked, but we just don't know where some of them are going to go, right? Now, what we do know in that um, luncheon that mentioned Disneyland Forward, Ken Potrock took a moment to talk about Um, some of the stuff happening to downtown Disney talking about the new and enhanced dining and retail offerings and said that the entirety of all the changes happening would be taking place over the next 18 months now that was the first time we finally got a sort of timeline for this project right things were happening kind of in phases we saw the changes happening over at the wonderground gallery and the disney home store and those were kind of random and last minute we saw la brea bakery shut down out of nowhere then temporarily turn into earl of sandwich right now um, and then now, then after that, we know it's turning into Porto. So a lot of things were changing and we just didn't really know the timeline for all these, these, uh, upcoming things happening in downtown Disney. Well, this was the first time. So we know eight, over the next 18 months, and this was as of May, right? So we know a full year out would be, um, another, you know, May of 24 and then an additional six months after that. So there's still a lot to be done in downtown Disney and a lot we don't know, uh, more specifically now disney shared um last summer when they were you know debuting summer um nighttime spectaculars right they had um brought back disneyland forever fireworks show they brought back the electrical parade for a brief period as well too. So they had a little media announcement that, you know, for I was able to attend uh with Mondo uh from Five Fires and they announced all these changes coming to downtown Disney, including showing us a bunch of concept artwork, but we had no timelines for a lot of this stuff. Now What we do know, of course, right, is the Catal restaurant and um, the Uvubar Bar location just outside of it that was attached as part of the same location, they've closed and have been deconstructed and they're already well on their way to becoming two brand new locations called Paseo and Centrico. They've added a bunch of additional dining space for Catal restaurant that didn't exist before. This not only includes above the Wonderground Gallery and the Disney Home Store, which before were not locations uh, for Catal Restaurant before, Um, and then additionally the Sprinkles Cupcake location right next door is also being absorbed for additional space. Um, There's some pretty uh, extensive dining spaces for Paseo Restaurant, which is the main restaurant here that's taking over. Um it is a, you know, Mexican cuisine offering uh with a Michelin star chef at the helm. So it is um definitely going to be a more upscale location, probably a little pricey. Catal itself was also pricey as well. Um but we know that these locations are opening in 2024. So that really kind of wasn't an unknown thing. Um Jazz Kitchen already well underway with its renovation. It remained open largely during the entire innovation process and is still going through it, um, while, you know, while it remains open. Now, some of the things there that haven't reopened yet is like the Beignet's location, Beignet's express, I think is what they're calling it now. Um, rather than like the rat I think it was called the jazz kitchen express before, uh, where it served kind of like some quick service food options. And I think this is more just now focused on Beignet's since that's kind of what people went there for anyway, beforehand. Um, uh, so they're kind of making it more of a focus on that. Um, and there's some changes inside and outside the restaurant that still haven't happened yet over at the Jazz Kitchen, um, as it goes through its change, but some other unknown things we don't know. We've all basically, but confirmed that Tortilla Joe's is closing permanently. What we don't know is what's going into that space. Now, if I'm to look at the concept art for Din Tai Fung, which we knew is coming to downtown Disney, Thanks to um, an announcement that Disney gave us um, over at D23 Expo, it would look to me, just by studying the artwork, that um, the Din Tai Fung location would take over Tortilla Joe's. Based on the artwork as well, and just the angle that we're looking at from the concept art for Din Tai Fung coming to Downtown Disney it doesn't look like a multi-story location it looks like a single-story location and if you've ever seen tortilla joe's you'd know that that is a multi-story location so um not sure if that is you know at all this is all purely speculative here at this point Um, nothing's confirmed the only thing that has sort of been confirmed is that tortilla joe's will be closing and this makes sense right Tortilla Joe's, Catal Restaurant, Uva Bar, Naples—all the quick services tied to all those locations—they're all owned by the same restaurant company called the Patina Group. The Patina Group's been working with Disney Parks for many, many years. They own and operate a ton of restaurants at Walt Disney World as well, too, including the Space 220 Restaurant in Epcot. Um, So they're not a stranger to working with Disney. And um, being that Paseo and Centrico are now Mexican cuisine locations, and more on the upscale end, um, they're literally like a hop, skip and a jump away from Tortilla Joe's. So it wouldn't make sense for the same restaurant group to operate three different Mexican locations, all within downtown Disney. And it wouldn't probably be providing the diversity that Disney wants in the available cuisine, right? Reasons why they're bringing things like Din Tai Fung to the resort to have additional cuisine because people were asking for that. You know, they didn't have a lot of variety in downtown Disney before. So this is what the people wanted. Um, Now, like I said, purely speculative. It looks to me like Tortilla Joe's would close and turn into Din Tai Fung, but Disney hasn't confirmed any of that. Although we do know it is coming. uh, We just don't know where it's going. Another location, to the former La Brea Brea Bakery location outside Disney California Adventure Park. This location um, is now home to Earl of Sandwich in a temporary fashion and the Earl of Sandwich Tavern. Um, Now, what we also got with a little bit of a rumor over the past week was that Earl of Sandwich was going to find a permanent home in downtown Disney at the Disneyland Resort, and it would be a multi-story experience offering. So we'd be seeing, you know, the normal quick service Earl of Sandwich that we know and love on the first floor, Um, you know, the tavern, which is their new kind of table service, uh, finer meal options, pastas, things like that, salads on the second floor, and then a rooftop bar on the third floor, um, for additional offerings that, you know, through Earl of Sandwich. So quite the experience, quite the location. Uh, we're seeing a lot of multi-story use, right? Over at downtown Disney, we have it with Ballast Point, uh, you know, with their additional balcony they added on top for some sort of rooftop bar and restaurant seating up there with a little bit of a fireworks view from that location as well, too. We also have um, the upper views or the upper space of Ballast Point up there with the windows fully opening. We're also seeing that same concept being brought to the Paseo Restaurant with the dining space that they have above the Wonderground Gallery having those same windows that open up just like Ballast Point. Um, So lots of locations taking advantage of kind of going upwards, right? We see that at Disney Springs over in Orlando, Florida with things like the Coca-Cola bar that has... Uh, you know, that rooftop bar on top of the big Coca-Cola building. So there's a lot of fun things that they do like that. And I'm glad that we're going to be seeing some of that stuff be brought to Disneyland Resort and um, in, you know, different capacities, wherever it may come. Now, we know right now the space that is off, that is being occupied by Earl of Sandwich temporarily. This will not be the location for the tavern and this new multi-story Earl of Sandwich location that's been rumored. Uh, we know, based on what Disney's already confirmed, that the location that Earl of Sandwich is currently occupying, that former old building of La Brea Bakery, will become Portos Bakery eventually. Now, Portos is going to be imagining an entirely new location, also multi-story, and was also rumored to have its own tavern or bar experience as a part of it, too, for the first time with Portos. So, This would be all new for this location and um, it would obviously require the former building from La Brea Bakery to be demolished, right? Because this concept isn't going to fit in that spot in its current space. So uh, Disney did say that Earl of Sandwich would be able to occupy this space while they reimagined a new location for Porto. So they're probably in the development stage of how they're going to fit it, what they want to do, what the plan is. I was talking a little bit on Mondo Speculation Sunday Um, show live stream on his YouTube channel for Five Fires that, um, you know, the ticket booths don't really have necessarily a need for all of them anymore in that Esplanade space, right? Now, there was a time back not that long ago, you know, before the before Magic Bands, before kind of, you know, the COVID era where everything became kind of touchless um, and, you know, more things moved into the Disneyland app. There was a big need for the ticket booths. Almost every single day, all the different, you know, almost all eight of the ticket booths, because there's four on each side, had queues and lines outside of them uh, with tons of guests just waiting to buy their tickets each and every single day. And now, you know, with reservations and things like that, people need to have tickets in advance. There's not a lot of same day purchasing going on um, because it just doesn't really work with that reservation model. Um, so ticket booths kind of, for the most part, remain empty. They're kind of just sitting there and, and, you know, taking up a lot of space in the Esplanade area, um, which has been rumored totally different topic, uh, for another episode, but the Esplanade has been rumored to receive some sort of reimagining multiple times and it's never truly happened or been announced. So maybe, um, you know, this new Portos location, because I feel like they would need a lot more space than what the LaBea bakery has and is currently offering, even with its outdoor space, um, would require maybe to get rid of a ticket booth or two um, to give them that additional space as you're, you know, kind of extending out downtown Disney into an Esplanade. You know, they don't really need to have that ticket booth space and they still have a whole other four ticket booths if they were were need to using them uh, on the opposite side, on the Harbor Boulevard side of Disneyland's Esplanade. So um, all food for thought, but we know that um, Earl of Sandwich is going to go away at some point and become Portos. Um, And then Earl of Sandwich, again, rumored to be sticking around in downtown Disney at some point in a newer space or in in a space that we... Maybe know is another location that's going to randomly close that we don't know. <laughs> we'll have to wait and see. Um, but some of the additional artwork that we saw, right, was that new space where they took away the AMC theaters in downtown Disney and all those other locations that were closest to um, the Disneyland Hotel, like the Starbucks, etc. Now we saw a lot of new concept art that showed some mid-century modern. Um, you know, architecture, things like an outdoor stage for live entertainment, which we know is a big deal in downtown Disney, and more of a focus, right, as they turned it into more of a destination, Um, and a bunch of additional uh, restaurants and shops, including like a big outdoor green space. Now, this was all planned for that kind of big space next to the Disneyland Hotel, but it sat for so long as a dirt pit after they demolished all those spaces and really had no work being done for quite a while. It wasn't until just recently, almost the last couple weeks, that they started really ramping up work on this location, laying foundations. There's a lot of stuff going on there now. They've had, you know, infrastructure put in underneath the foundations. Foundations are laid. Um, They've also extended the construction walls way into the pedestrian walkways of downtown Disney, and there is very narrow corridors now over by the Monorail Station in downtown Disney, the security checkpoint for the Design Hotel, and that space right by Star Wars Trading Post. So it is a very tight space right there. They still managed to keep the live entertainment stage, but man... When there is live entertainment there that's a little poppin', it's going to be very tight in that space. So, um, you know, it's, it'll be curious to see how long they're doing it for. But what we don't know about that space largely is what's going in there. We know that there's going to be a stage, like I mentioned, an outdoor greenery space because we saw all that in the concept art that they unveiled at last summer's media event for Spectaculars. Um, but what we don't know is what's going into those additional shops and restaurants just behind that stage. Um, Now, this could be a spot for Din Tai Fung. Um, Maybe it doesn't go where Tortilla Joe's is. Maybe that's for Earl of Sandwich, and they use that multi-story location that's already existing. That could be a possibility, too. Um, or maybe this is just additional shops and restaurants kind of like, um, in the vein of, you know, what we see by Jamba Juice and the Disney dress shop and things like that, where it's like a smaller kind of storefront with a lot of different offerings. It kind of looked like that in the concept artwork they showed us, but things could always change, right? They could be drastically changing plans and, and, um, and varying off the concept artwork because in fact it is just concept art in the end. So but really that's what we know for downtown Disney. Um, there was one additional concept artwork they showed, um, that, uh, we were discussing as well too. I was talking about it with Peter. I think he tweeted about it too on his Twitter from ordinary adventures. Um, basically that there was like an artwork that showed a new logo for downtown Disney, um, and kind of a new entrance that they had set up where the, you know, somewhere in the West winds, West end somewhere, Um, and there was turnstiles leading into downtown Disney. Um, this is interesting because we don't have turnstiles leading into it now. In fact, a lot of the entrances into downtown Disney are really kind of makeshift and haphazard, um, when they decided many years ago to push the security boundary to also include downtown Disney, um, they really kind of set up temporary locations and then just like threw up fences around it to make sure that downtown Disney was within the security bubble. It was, you know, not that long ago before that downtown Disney was just a public space like any other, you know, mall in the Southern California region. Um, and then, at the end of downtown Disney, everyone be waiting for security just before the ticket booths um, next to Earl of Sandwich, where you get your bags checked, and then you could be in that free space between both parks. Well, now downtown Disney is included in that space, so guests have to go through security check before even getting into downtown Disney. Um, so maybe this turnstile thing is more of like a permanent, more... Um, you know, aesthetic-looking security checkpoint for Downtown Disney, and it just kind of looked like turnstiles, but it did look more like turnstiles. There wasn't really any cast members standing underneath the fencing or, or overhang there to look like it was security, but we'll have to wait and see on that one. That was the only other thing we couldn't really explain, and they didn't really go into any depth when talking about some of the changes happening to Downtown Disney. So, Let me know what you think about the changes coming, things you're excited for, things and speculations you might have about where they're going to go, and whether or not you think I'm right about Tortilla Joe's turning into Din Tai Fung. To me, it just looked like the trees that were there in the background and the positioning of the building with the attached kind of outdoor space, aka bar space, just looked like the same setup style that Tortilla Joe's had, so they could get rid of the building but keep like the infrastructure in place underneath. Um, it seemed like that would work for me too, but Earl of Sandwich wouldn't have to spend that much money to just repurpose their Tortilla Joe's building for a multi-story use building of their own. So we'll have to wait and see how it all folds out, but let me know on social media, your thoughts and your feelings on all of it. I would love to hear that, um, and talk about that on a future episode as well. And if you'd like to email the podcast with any suggestions, questions, or comments, Feel free to do so at podcast at the5571.com, podcast at the fifty-five seventy one com. And make sure you're subscribed to this podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. I am a Spotify podcast as as far as where I'm hosted and who I create for. But Spotify distributes it to all platforms. So you can listen to it on Apple Podcasts. You can listen to it on uh, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, all those other things. You'll find it on all those. You can even ask your Amazon smart speakers to play the podcast, and they will respond by playing it as well, too. So it's available just about everywhere, any platform you're listening on. Um and like I mentioned earlier in the episode if you aren't already please subscribe to my YouTube channel for all the videos coming that are already out about my Walt Disney World trip the ones upcoming and the upcoming Disneyland um updates and of course I'll be there on the final day of Splash Mountain coming up this next week and that'll be going up on YouTube as well too to show you what that looked like over at Disneyland as all the guests bid adieu um, to Splash Mountain in its current form as we usher in the amazing new attraction going in there for Tiana's Bayou Adventure. But thank you so much for listening to this episode and we'll see you real soon on the next one.